Hi, everybody. Welcome to tonight's Sunday night, the winter program over here with Coach Menachem Bernfeld. Thanks for joining us from around the globe. Tonight, sheer 174. Yep, you heard that right. 174. And Baruch Hashem, I'll start thanking all the, 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 the people that help us, you know, let us know about the program, the advertising sponsors, and uh, just the people that posted, let people know about it. Just to clarify, we're not, we used to send everybody a WhatsApp flyer personally. Now we're doing it only on the groups. Uh, Menachem, will, I'll be post the group uh, link in the chat shortly. And in the emails, there'll be a link as well to join the group chats. If you want to join the group chats, you could also WhatsApp me at 732-314-1710. And I will um, give you the link to join the chats. That's where all the flyers are, the replays, all the information. So please join us. And again, thank you for making Coach Menachem program the the people's program, a place we could have Sikhs Haverim, talk through things, and join. And uh, Mitch Shem, we're going to be putting up this video later tonight. Uh, Menachem will upload it to YouTube. You can click on the subscribe button. So every, every week when Menachem uploads it, you get a ding. You know that there's a new program. You get to watch it. And you can click on the like button. And thank you again for joining us here tonight. First, thank you to all the advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop here in Lakewood. A special thank you to Ellie and Ariel for Five Town Central and Kyla Kaufman from JCN for always supporting us on all the Jewish digital networks. Again, for the first time, anybody has been here every Sunday night at 9.30 on this Zoom ID. We have different topics, different Rabbanim, different therapists, and just the leaders in Klyosrol that really have a lot to share with people and give people chizik. And uh, please join us. Next week, February 11th, we're going to have an amazing program with Rabbi Tab, who's one of my favorites, who comes on all the time. The last time he came on, we had a very powerful program. We had a tremendous amount of feedback. He was talking about what men need and male masculinity. And, you know, it was very powerful. A lot of people reached out to me, men and women, just saying how he validated and really just, you know, really clarified that union. So we're going to flip it around this this upcoming week. We're going to talk about femininity, what women need. And the topic of the title is What is a Woman? A Spiritual View of Femininity and the Challenges of Jewish Women Today. So I think it should be a very amazing program. And um, Rabbi Shays is deep and he gets into it. And hopefully it'll be physic and everybody could really be part of it. Tonight, we have the schus and the honor of having world-famous author, a psychologist. He writes in the Mishpacha. Everybody wants to know if he writes. He doesn't write. I don't know where he's holding with writing in the Mishpacha, but he's been so busy. He wrote he wrote two books, Off the Couch, and Things I Told My Parents. There's also a children's book. And hopefully we'll get some uh, guidance. And many, We actually have three topics tonight, and we're going to try to really cover as much as we could, uh, at least of the first topic about, you know, what's what what's good in therapy, what's not good in therapy, which is the main topic. And we'll get into that soon, Mishpacha, tonight, hopefully, Shir. Should be Machazik, thousands of people that watch it now and hopefully later of the replays. Tonight's shear is 174, and our friend Arne Fried is going to give us an amazing gematria for the shear 174, who every week with constant continuity never misses a gematria. So Arne Fried, give us a gematria for 174. Shear number 174, we're going to be discussing unveiling wellness, a comprehensive talk on mental health, what to avoid in therapy, extreme conflict in Israel and strategies to combat burnout in today's fast-paced world. Whatever hardships we may incur, we must realize that Hashem does only good and means only good, which leads us up for tonight's Gematria 174, Melech Toivu Metev, the king that does good and only good for each and every person. And uh, we really appreciate that. And now we're going to turn to Coach Menachem Bernfeld. We're trying to really hop around because everybody should know that uh, Dr. Friedman leaves at a certain time because he's in Israel. It's now 4.30 in the morning. So we're going to try to really speak very high past. And this, this is not the 1X, this is 3X. No, I'm talking very fast. So I want to get to Dr. Jacob Friedman. Coach Menachem, open it up. What are we doing here tonight? What are we trying to accomplish? 
and what's the what's really the topic? What are we trying to get into? Okay, thank you very much. Welcome everyone to another Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem and Baruch Hashem with a lot of Siyat Shmaya number 174, like we heard. And it's exciting to have you back, Dr. Friedman, to have a discussion on mental health, which uh, this is a, this is your passion. And um, in general, you're always out there helping helping another Yid to uh, make it a little bit easier for them. And especially now in today's days, you know, I've seen that you go around being mechazik, the communities in Israel. And we're going to be talking about it tonight to understand what's going on, what they're feeling, what we're feeling, how could, how could we be mechazik ourselves. But uh, yeah, tonight we're going to be discussing a little bit about mental health, burnout, and the matzav in Yisrael. So thinking about all of the, the three the three things, to put it into a nutshell, it's really any time a person finds himself in a place, sometimes can feel chaos, overwhelmed, and sometimes deep pain. And uh, a number of emotions that are going on and trying to figure it out, trying to get answers, trying to, you know, to make sense out of it. Many people get stuck and they can't get out. They can't get out of bed. They can't continue life. And um, for all of us, most of us, it pulls us down. We're thinking about what's going on. And anytime we go through overwhelmed and a lot of different emotions, it could pull us down. So the first thing we need to know is that it's okay and it's normal that we're human. And yeah, those emotions come up and it's okay. The question is how to deal with it. Those who can find a friend and discuss it, those who can go to a rov, those who can go, who have to go to a therapist, which we'll be discussing tonight. Who, who from those is is it, is it enough that they just take some chizik and they can continue? Others, when they feel stuck and they need professional help, and uh, they shouldn't find themselves in the wrong place, you know. To let to hopefully tonight, in Hashem, with the discussion with Dr. Friedman, we'll be able to clarify a little bit. If it's okay to be by a rov, a friend, somebody that's not licensed therapist, or who are those who need to be by a licensed therapist, and what's the difference, and maybe alternative medicine, and we'll discuss it, Emet Hashem. So thank you very much for being with us tonight, and we're looking looking forward, Emet Hashem. Coach Menachem, for that beautiful opening, getting us into it. Okay, let's start off first. Uh, tonight's share is Unveiling Wellness, a comprehensive talk on mental health. What to avoid in therapy, the enduring conflict in our stroll, and strategies to combat burnout in today's fast-paced world. Oh, and I'm one of those. So um, we're going to get into it. We're going to read your bio, Dr. Friedman, and then the floor is yours, okay? Dr. Jacob Friedman is a psychiatrist and a business a business consultant based in Israel. He's the author of Orphe Couch in the Mishpacha magazine, as well as two other books from Anucha Publishing. While he's not with his patients, Dr. Friedman, also the new book, it's called Right What I Told My Patients. I think it just came out. Yeah, the things I told my patients. patients. Right. And uh, Dr. Friedman can be found learning in the Torah in the Old City or hiking the hills outside Yushalayim. He can be most easily reached via his website, drjacobfriedman.com. Dr. Jacob Friedman, you're here. The floor is yours. Please open it up. And we have a lot of questions to get to. Rav Usher, thanks so much for having me. And uh, Coach Menachem, Mazel Tov on uh, the gray in your beard. I remember when it happened to me and all of a sudden people thought I knew what I was talking about. In the same sense, it was very clear that I would no longer uh, play in the NBA. 
So, you know, Mila's and Chesrona's on going gray, but uh, with time, acceptance is the answer to all of my problems. And I hope that you'll make peace with it. Uh, so what an amazing uh, experience it is to be here. It's always a pleasure. Uh, most importantly, I'm very grateful for you, uh, everybody waking me up early, uh, early to bed, early to rise. Uh, I think Benjamin Franklin said that, and uh, there's something uh, to be said for it. So uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, with everybody. And uh, we can go ahead and share some good ideas on how to be our most effective out there. Um, if we're going to start off with a bit of a schmooze, let's start off with the uh, biggest thing, which is what is it like to be here right now? Uh, I don't think you heard it because I was on mute, but there were a bunch of airplanes zooming over uh, my house a few minutes ago, and it can be pretty intense being here in Eretz role right now. Uh, we should be honest. It's pretty intense being everywhere, uh, but it can be pretty intense being here, uh, Dafka and Eretz Yisrael. Uh, I think we have to realize that it's normal, as you said, uh, Coach Menachem. It's very normal to feel uh, a lot of very extreme emotions and to vacillate sometimes between them. Uh, it's okay to be scared right now. It's okay to be very sad. Uh, right now, when we think about the matzav, it's also okay to be uh, angry uh, when we think about the matzav. There's a lot to be frustrated with. And it's uh, critical to know that these are normal emotions and that there's nothing wrong with, again, uh, being heartbroken about all of these uh, neshamas that have been taken from us and all of the terrible things that have happened to Klai Yisrael. Um, it's okay to be very frightened uh, wherever you are, because uh, frankly, uh, nowhere is safe uh, right now, whether uh, you're in Yerushalayim, you're in Melbourne, you're in Toronto, Miami, Berlin, wherever Jews are, it's a pretty intense time to be Jewish. Um, and uh, it's also okay, again, to be infuriated, infuriated with uh, the various governmental organizations that are supposed to be protecting us, infuriated with our enemies who have desecrated Hashem's holy name. Uh, we have a lot of intense emotions right now, and it's uh, most important to recognize what one is feeling throughout the day. Uh, I spent a lot of time last week with my dear friend, uh, Rabbi Dr. Benji Epstein Schlito, who's an incredible person. Uh, if you haven't had him on the show, definitely recommend it. He's uh, one of the experts on mindfulness and meditation in our community. And uh, one of the things we were talking about is how important it is to just be aware of what you're feeling. Uh, most people kind of go throughout the day and they're not uh, even aware of how nervous they are until they're jumping and shaking in their chair, in the office, in Kolel, at home, wherever it might be. Most people aren't aware of how angry they are until they're already yelling and screaming, and heaven forbid, even worse stuff. It's so important to be cognizant of the emotions and the feelings inside of us, especially during these intense times. So I think the question isn't, uh, uh, you know, 
just what am I feeling, but it's what do I do with those feelings? Because we know that in uh, tremendous times of distress uh, as a nation, that these are our times of greatest growth. Uh, we know that Avram Vinu had his 10 trials and was only to uh, have Hashem show him how great he could possibly be. Uh, we have these tests, these nisyonos, uh, to show ourselves how great we uh, we can be. So it's an amazing time. Um, I get accused of being a Chabad Shaliach all the time because I have this uh, crazy beard that I enjoy and I have a nice walrus mustache. Uh, so, you know, people walk up to me on the streets and ask me for tefillin which is a, a wild experience. So I started carrying tefillin and also a pushka in case people want to help me buy diras for my daughters. Uh, so that, that's a joke, Coach Menachem. You didn't appreciate that one? It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. Um, but uh, Rav, I should appreciate it. Okay, good. Yeah, it's a good joke. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's an amazing time. You know, you go walking around and you see people wearing uh, tzitzis and they're mamish, these brand new, beautiful uh, snow white tzitzis. It's an amazing time to be here in Eretz role. It's tremendously inspiring. Um, a friend of mine who lives in the Merkaz who, and works in a big office building in Tel Aviv uh, pointed out that the giant billboard outside of his office on the side of one of the buildings uh, has a fellow with all sorts of tattoos on his body, on his arms, on his neck, and he's wearing tefillin and he has to keep on and he's saying Shema Yisrael. And uh, on September uh, 7th, uh, a month before uh, this current war began and this Takufa and Klai Yisrael uh, started. Uh, the billboard across from him was saying uh, about the Haredi bloodsuckers and about the messianic settlers destroying uh, the modern Parisian state of Israel and how beautiful it is to see that we're now getting along with each other and the dialogue is opening. And he said, isn't it so nice, Yaakov, that the dialogue is opening? We're talking with each other. And I said to him, Shlomi, you're being very Tel aviv -y. I said, what we say in Yerushalayim is that Klai Yisrael is doing tshuva. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to watch. Tremendously inspirational. And uh, I really, I, I hope that everybody tuning in today has the opportunity to come to Eretz Yisrael as soon as possible uh, if not to stay, then to volunteer and just to go around and see what's happening in Kuala Yisrael. The Achdus is mamish incredible. Uh, the best moment certainly was when I was having a cup of coffee uh, with my dear friend and colleague, Yossi Goldberstein, who runs uh, Amudim here in Eretz Yisrael. And Yossi and I were having a cup of coffee and talking about what we could do to help the Klaal. And uh, we're sitting across from a tattoo parlor. Let's say Reno Arabim. There's a few tattoo parlors uh, downtown in Yerushalayim. Uh, hopefully they'll be converted into Chabad soon, I guess, because apparently people think I'm Chabadnik. Or maybe Breslev. I've also been accused of that in the past. Um, 
So we're sitting across from the tattoo parlor having a cup of coffee. And a couple of guys come walking over. These guys look like ultimate fighters. Okay. So, you know, tattooed up the wazoo, up their necks, uh, wearing uh, short sleeve t shirts and the muscles on these guys. Uh, you know, sometimes in the front belt, we get nervous about taking uh, CBD supplements and uh, psychedelic drugs. Uh, by these guys, I was more nervous they were taking uh, legal steroids. I mean, their biceps were the size of my waist. Uh, and I haven't been eating as healthy as I need to eat. Uh, these guys were scary looking. Oh, my goodness, with these fellows from the for former Soviet Union, scary looking fellows. So they're coming along to, uh, to open up the tattoo parlor in the morning. And as they're walking in, I see amongst all the tattoos and these, you know, uh, Mr. Clean type haircuts, uh, I see that these guys have paratsitsis on, both of them. And they're opening up the tattoo parlor wearing tzitzis. And I looked at my friend and I said to him, Yo, see, this is it. You know, Klai Israel's doing chuva. And we were so happy watching this. And I thought to myself, if I appreciated my tzitzis the way that these guys do today, we'd have the shiach by then. My goodness gracious, if we appreciated our mitzvahs the way that those guys appreciated their tzitzis mitzvah that morning, my goodness gracious. So it's an amazing time to be here uh, in Eretz Yisrael. There's a lot of work to do. Um, I ran around to about uh, 30 or 40 yeshivas and seminaries just trying to be mechazek people not to run home uh, to the states. And uh, a lot of people have stayed here and a lot of people have grown tremendously. A lot of people have shown up here uh, and are really uh, doing fantastic things. And a lot of people are coming. Uh, you know, I know that Mrs. Ruhama Klapman uh, of Mask is leading a trip here uh, right now of therapists that are coming to volunteer. I'm actually speaking with them uh, in about four hours now, if I'm still awake. I'm here to and uh, wonderful, wonderful things are happening with Kla Yisrael. So it's an amazing time to be alive. And uh, we should appreciate that as uh, as a people. So I'm sorry for making fun of your beard. I'm actually just pointing out that it's great because hopefully people will start to think that you are above the age of 25, uh, Coach Menachem. And then maybe they'll listen to you. That's why I shaved, Dr. Freeman, you know? It's completely right. I, okay. I hear. Let's jump into the polls, and then we're going to get into questions. Thank you for that opening. Here we go. They asked the Oilam three questions. Everybody answer to the best of your ability, and then we're going to jump into all these questions in depth. Which met methods of therapy have you utilized in the past? Four options. Licensed therapist, acupuncture, alternative natural methods. I did that twice. Every time it keeps on coming up twice. <laughs> okay. And yeah. people, speaking to very smart people who understand. So basically a licensed therapist, acupuncture, all these other type of alternative types of methods, or speaking to very smart people who understand, like somebody that really gets it. Second question, in your opinion, what defines burnout? What do you think when we talk about people are burnt out or you're just burnt out? What does that mean? A, same as depression, can't continue with life. B, lethargic, not motivated, just uh. 
see burnt out only in one area of life. That means the way you categorize burnt out, I'm burnt out of working, I'm burnt out of this. Or D, there's no such a thing, just need chizik, you're just a little bit out of it, you need a little uh, boost. Third question. Where do you think this war in Israel is headed? Four options. Years of fighting and a lot of people dying. Seems like it's going to be coming to an end shortly. I think the war will lead into many other wars around the world. Or D, this is the beginning of the coming of Mashiach. So those are the three questions. It's really one in every era of the topics we're talking tonight. And we want to see what everybody feels. Okay, three more seconds, and then we're going to share the results, and then we're going to talk about it. And uh, and again, anybody wants to ask a live question, please text. It's Copper Ryan. And uh, there's a lot of questions that came in we want to cover, and our time is short, right? So there's a lot of work to cover. Here we go. First question, which methods of therapy have you utilized in the past? A whopping 65% say they go to licensed therapists. 4% of people only believe in the acupuncture alternative, alternative natural methods. And 30% of people speak to very smart people who understand. That's the first question. Dr. Friedman, any comment on this? Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, these are all options. And Emir uh, Tzashem, we can talk about the Milus and the Chesronos of each of them. Okay, second question. What defines burnout? 11% of people think it's the same thing as depression, can't continue with life. 58% of people feel it's like not motivated, very lethargic. 24% of people feel burnout is only one area of a, of a person's life. And 7% of people feel there's no such a thing, they just need chizuk. Okay? Yeah. That I can say is, uh, is also true. All of these uh, are aspects of burnout in some ways. Uh, if, if we really want to, you know, go there right now, we can define burnout. Uh, which is, you know, the combination of exhaustion, uh, meaning feeling physically uh, crummy, tired, inability to focus, some of those same symptoms that we see with depression, uh, a cynicism, uh, a negative view of uh, the world uh, that one is involved in, a negative view of oneself, uh, in that situation, and a negative view of the future uh, within one's uh, work situation or, or school. Or How would you define situation. in short the difference between burnout and depression? Yeah, so burnout is circumscribed to one's situation. Uh, we might call it a situational depression. So somebody who uh, has a job that they hate, uh, working in an Amazon warehouse, uh, and yet when uh, Sukkot comes and now they're going on a Holomoy trip to Six Flags is doing fantastic, uh, we would call that uh, burnout because uh, it's limited to a certain situation, whereas a clinical depression, uh, a person is depressed at yeshiva, depressed at work, depressed at home, depressed on vacation. Uh, in burnout, a person is... Uh, unable to function in yeshiva, but functions fantastic uh, once they leave and get a job. Unable to uh, function uh, in the workplace, but when they go on vacation with their family, they're in the zone. 
Would it be fair to say that situational depression and burnout is basically the same word? Uh, I, I think that sometimes they can be used interchangeably and there's uh, a value to that. But burnout is a real syndrome. And, you know, depending on what uh, situation people are in, uh, for example, there are uh, studies that show that well over half of physicians uh, feel burnout over the course of a year. And it's something that we really have to address because, uh, as I said before, the physical exhaustion, the psychological cynicism is also associated with a lack of efficacy uh, in the workplace in one's life. And so when people are burned out, uh, uh, specifically healthcare workers, uh, patients do poorly unfortunately. When Rebbies are burned out, uh, kids end up getting terrible kinuch in the classroom and uh, potentially getting cursed at or whacked. And when yeshiva bocharim are burned out, uh, they end up flying to Cyprus and needing lawyers. And Ben Brafman Shlita is expensive these days. He gives a discount if you say Coach Menachem. He was on our program. Okay, third question. This is for you, Dr. Freeman, since you're a Navi. Okay, where do you think this war in Israel is headed? 8%. Years of fighting and a lot of people dying, 8%. Seems like it's going to come to an end shortly, only 10%. 29% of people feel, I think this war will lead to many other worlds, world, wars around the world. And a whopping 53% feel this is the beginning of the coming of Mashiach. What is Dr. Friedman's Navius? Well, uh, forgive me for being an uber uh, rationalist, um, but uh, I think that the situation is uh, both very frightening and it's very inspiring. Um, I had a discussion with Rav Asher Weishlita, uh a couple of months ago, and one of the things that he pointed out is that uh, people are normally uh, averse to taking sides and uh, describing, uh, you know, I'm for or against. People like to play the middle ground. However, this has been a uh, opportunity for many people to say, no, I, I don't like the way that the world is going. For Jews and for Goyim alike, uh, this has been an opportunity for people to pick a side and to side uh, against uh, barbarism and to side with uh, morality. So that's a very exciting thing. Does that mean that Mashiach is coming? Well, again, I'm not such a big Mikubal these days, um, or if I am, I'm hidden. Uh, but uh, I can say that we have to imagine we're headed in the right direction because there's a lot more Achdos in Kla Yisrael. And I think, uh, you know, people are a lot more open to uh, respecting each other within Klai Israel, And that's got to be a part of anything positive uh, in a spiritual sense. Okay, let's jump into the questions. We have a lot of questions, a few live already. I'll start with the first question. So I want to cover this and then we'll uh, get into a lot more questions. Number one, I've been dealing with depression for some time and I've been seeking help from a healer who's not a licensed therapist. She uses various methods and I've seen some improvement. I was wondering if there might be an issue and if I should consider stopping these sessions. Let's just broaden the question. You know, it could be natural, it could be acupuncture, it could be psychedelics, it could be breathing. And the person is suffering from depression. They're going to these alternative 
you know, things to get help. As we know in the in the communities, you know, all these things are very powerful right now. Um, you know, breathing techniques, you know, there, nobody could say bad about it. You know, it's just breathing. The psychedelics, there's a whole topic right there. And then just in general, internal healing. Like, what's your opinion if somebody really is going through, let's use it, clinical depression, and they're going to alternate methods to try to help it, and they are feeling better from it temporarily. What's your opinion on the on this? Okay, uh, th these are great questions. First, uh, I do want to say that for whoever asked this question, I'm sorry you're having a tough time. Uh, you should know that you're not alone. You know, at least 20% of uh, folks will experience depression at some point in their life. Uh, that means that if you live in a building in Arnof that has uh, 30 families, uh, again, that you are one of six women who will experience uh depression at some point. If you live on a cul-de-sac in Lakewood that has 20 families, again, you'll be one of uh, four uh, Abbas, four Tatis on that street that will experience depression at some point. So the most important thing to know is that you're not alone and you shouldn't be embarrassed because when people are embarrassed about uh, struggling with mental health, it uh, in and of itself is a big barrier to getting the care that one needs. And uh, I believe that that's a big part uh, of why I want people... to interrupt you, Dr. Freeman. If, if I remember correctly, if my memory jogs me correctly, the first time you came on, one of the big topics we were talking about, about not being ashamed of going for help. I think that was one of the topics we actually discussed. I think we came a long way since then over the past period of time, no? I, I, I agree. And, and I think you can practically see that in terms of the number of phone calls that our colleagues... Uh, Rabbi Babad, Rabbi Orenstein here in uh, Eretz Yisrael, uh, Rosh Shlomo Katz, the number of phone calls that people get uh, for relief, uh, the number of people reaching out for professional help has increased. There's an organization uh, we know in Lakewood called Confe Fega, uh, run by Mrs. Rosenfeld. Yeah, we did that uh, at one year also, yeah. The, the number of phone calls uh, and people that are referred to that organization that provides support uh, for families in the community has skyrocketed. So uh, I see that as a positive thing, not that more people are struggling, but rather that more people are open to addressing these struggles. So um, I think that those are simply facts in our communities. Um, uh, you know, Burnout is not treated by psychiatry. Uh, burnout is treated uh, by working on one's lifestyle and finding a better work-life balance and exercising, sleeping better, um, eating healthier, uh, avoiding alcohol and recreational drugs, and just uh, working on positive coping strategies. Uh, it may or may not include uh proper therapy. But uh, there's a big difference between burnout and major depression, which needs to be uh, addressed uh, by proper uh, therapy and by proper uh, psychiatric care. So one of the first questions that I would ask when somebody says they're depressed and they want to go to a healer, to a psychiatrist, to a uh, try psychedelic drugs uh, with the hard money guys down in Ecuador. Uh, whatever is going on 
uh, in one's life. The question is, what what is this? So that's really a question for a professional. And uh, part of the training as a social worker, a psychologist, a psychiatrist is really parsing out uh, the differences between feeling frustrated, feeling sad, feeling upset, feeling burned out, and between uh, psychiatric illness. Uh, we shouldn't forget that the majority of people who have schizophrenia will first show up to their primary care doctor and say, I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling like I can't focus. I'm feeling like I'm nervous. So uh, that should not be anybody's problem, but it's 1% uh, of the population's problem. We should keep in mind that uh, approximately 25 to 3% of people have bipolar disorder. And uh, those folks are at tremendous risk of uh, bad outcomes unless they get proper psychiatric care. And that begins with a diagnosis. Uh, similar to when somebody has a problem in their bathroom and there's a clog, you can go ahead and try and stuff your arm down whichever pipe and see what you find. Or you can call a neighbor who maybe is a bit handier uh, than you are. Uh, I know I have plenty living here in Eretz role because I am uh, a chutznik and therefore not handy and surrounded by so many wonderful uh, people whose name I still can't pronounce. Uh, who can definitely help me out. Uh, but you can bring that person to your house and hopefully he can fix your clogged drain. Or you can call a professional. And that doesn't mean that you have to follow everything the professional says, but it's always worthwhile to call a professional. Because if your pipes get busted up, you're going to end up paying thousands of dollars and being very unhappy. Wouldn't it be nice to go ahead and have a professional involved at least once in the beginning? So do I have a problem with healers? Do I have a problem with vitamin givers? Do I have a problem with acupuncturists? Do I have a problem with color therapists and Bach flower ladies? Uh, not personally. I think it's actually really special. Fly Israel wants to help. Uh, specifically within our community, the people who do this stuff are very, very well-intentioned people, I would imagine, in the vast majority of cases. Uh, I don't even think that you have to work hard to be Don Lachav's Swiss. People really believe in this stuff and they want to help. And uh, that's a very uh, noble thing. And, you know, Mikam Chay Yisrael, you know, Chay Yisrael wants to help. I think in the same sense, um, we, we have to be wary because uh, while certainly everybody benefits from tapping, uh, that's the placebo effect. Uh, and that means that, you know, track good design good. And uh, there's no proper evidence that suggests that the vast majority of these uh, treatments provide any success uh, in terms of the resolution of symptoms for people who are struggling with mental illness. Now, again, they can be helpful for people that are stressed out, people that are unhappy. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm sorry to correct you. But I think that psychedelics, if you're dealing with a severe mental health issue like bipolar schizophrenia, could actually cause damage. Yeah, so psychedelics is a, is a whole uh, other topic. Uh, 
I'll get there just in in one sec. You know, I, I'm not here to make a pasak on whether or not acupuncture is us or any of those other things. Uh, you know, Revel Yashiv Zetzal said that Chinese medicine is us or that also includes Ayurvedic uh, medicine and all sorts of other things. Uh, that some nice guy from Queens who went off the derrick and went to India for a decade. I, I wouldn't trust him to fix my drain. I definitely wouldn't trust him to fix my brain. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that, again, because there's so much stigma associated, uh, both in our community and in our own heads with going to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a social worker, uh, that sometimes we run for other solutions and we should just be wary of that. Again, being healthy is a wonderful thing. Exercising is a good thing. Learning how to breathe deeply uh, decreases blood pressure, decreases stress. These are things that work, but uh, once a person has entered into a place of uh, mental illness and is struggling, it's so important uh, to get the proper help. It's not just important for the patient themselves, but uh, people who are depressed, people who are anxious, people who have serious mental illness and are really struggling, it also has a burden on their spouse and on their children. And uh, so many divorces could be prevented. Uh, so many kids uh, going off the derrick uh, could be prevented if uh, mom and dad had gotten the help that they need for mental illness or for substance use. Now, you brought up psychedelics, and, and we should address this. This is a whole Ganser story uh, that we should uh, be very uh, thoughtful about. Um, I should say that if you asked me uh, five years ago, uh, or even three years ago, my thoughts on psychedelic treatments, whether that's uh, psilocybin, psychedelic mushrooms, LSD, MDMA therapy, uh, ketamine, whatever it might be. If you had asked me three years ago, I would have said no, 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 and no, uh, no question. Uh, now, when you ask me about it, my response is uh, no, 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 but this is exciting. And I believe that at some point soon, these will be uh, really powerful tools for helping people in the correct setting. Um, psychedelic medicines are some of the most powerful uh, treatments out there. Um, these are tremendously effective in uh, changing the way that people think. Um, these are so much more powerful than many of the drugs that uh, I regularly prescribe as a psychiatrist. Uh, that's why you have to be so careful with taking them. Oh my goodness gracious, people who have genes for serious mental illness, which are the most impulsive people out there that like to just stomp try psychedelics with some fun guy who's uh, a Karlbacher to the nth degree, um, you have to be so careful with this stuff. My goodness gracious, uh, is there tremendous medical potential for psychedelic treatments in trauma, in addiction, in depression, in OCD, in anorexia? Absolutely. There's tremendous potential, and it's so exciting. 
that being said, there is tremendous risk. As a community, we only hear the positives. Nobody goes ahead and shares that they were admitted to a psych hospital. Nobody goes and shares that they jumped off of a cliff and broke their leg, like happens every single year in Telstone. Uh, nobody goes ahead and talks anymore about the Swedish guy that took psychedelic drugs two years ago, went home and stabbed his son to death 14 times and was hospitalized for weeks until he woke up and realized what he's done. He was acquitted of murder because he was in a totally delusional state. And the person who gave him those drugs, I believe, is sitting in jail for a long time. Again, I had no connection to that specific case, but this is public knowledge. Psychedelics are very, very powerful. And again, I think we know people who report that they have changed their lives. We also know people, as you said, Rav Usher, though, who uh, it could ruin their lives. And people who have the genes for serious mental illness, again, who are the people who are hurting the most, and the people who are the most impulsive, and the people who are most at risk for looking for any solution that could work to change their lives. Uh, when they take these medicines, it, it can cause acute psychotic episodes, uh, which is a, a tragic thing. We also have to be careful in the studies. Uh, these medications are taken in a very uh, regulated, uh, calming environment. Uh, they're also given specific doses of purified compounds. We know plenty of people that are given uh, cheaper knockoff versions or the wrong dose and end up uh, having terrible uh, psychological experiences in addition to having uh, medical problems. MDMA can kill people. Uh, ecstasy can kill people uh, it, through serotonin syndrome. Uh, LSD can mess around with the cardiovascular system. Uh, these are not the safest things. Ketamine is a horse tranquilizer. It's a dissociative anesthetic. Now, again, when used in a ketamine clinic and prescribed by a psychiatrist, it can be a very helpful treatment for treatment-resistant depression, OCD, uh, and other situations. Uh, I have a colleague, uh, Dr. Stuart Seidman, who's a fantastic psychiatrist that's done great work uh, opening up a ketamine center here in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, Dr. Strauss and the clinic at Mayane Yeshua uh, have done wonderful things with ketamine treatments. But this is uh, amongst the most dangerous psychiatric treatments out there. And for patients who are nervous about taking Prozac, which has been around for longer than uh, you and I, Rev Usher, uh, uh, and is safe during pregnancy for the developing fetus, and they say, whoa, I'm not taking any psych meds, uh, psychedelic mushrooms, they grow naturally. Yeah, on cow patties in Wyoming. That's correct. So now you're going to eat that and end up in a psych hospital? Oy, oh, boy. Okay, that's a quick not rant and rave, but just thoughts about this stuff. You know, I believe that compounds from these uh, psychedelic drugs will be synthesized. We will get treatment protocols, find the correct doses, and Ymir Tzashem be able to help a lot of people. And I think it's coming soon, but we have to be so, so, so careful uh, with this. 
We have to be so careful with this. And we have to be careful of anybody who promises an immediate solution is the other thing. Anybody who guarantees you that you're going to be feeling better immediately uh, is selling you snake oil. I'd be wary of those folks. Um, Dr. Pirman was just saying that we had a few share on psychedelics and one of the big doctors who actually has a ketamine clinic, clinic he says that the face of medicine in 10 years, you know, once these uh, things are developed properly and they're going to be able to know how to use them properly with the right dosage could really be a life changer, especially to people that have mental illness. It could really, they're really hoping that people that suffer from severe mental illnesses and depressions and bipolar, that there's a hope that these medications will be the medication that will actually cure them versus pushing the ball down the road with all these other, you know, cocktails. Just want to mention that. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I, I do share optimism that we're going to know so much more about this and that these treatments will be infinitely uh, more effective. And uh, the main thing, though, to think about is that right now, uh, people who are taking these treatments on various retreats that are marketed to our community, uh, this is not done in a safe setting, in a regulated setting. And in uh, the dosing of these very powerful chemicals, uh, there's a very small therapeutic window. You know, think about uh, the amount of uh, whiskey that a person can drink uh, and not be drunk, be peacefully buzzed, and then be totally out of control. Uh, oh. The therapeutic window of psychedelics is infinitely smaller in terms of micrograms mm -hmm. as opposed to shot glasses. So we have to just be so wary here. Okay, Dr. Freeman, we have a lot of questions. Let's get to it. Okay. Sorry, you're on first. Hi. I'm really honored. Hi, Dr. Freeman. I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity here. Um, I think you answered a lot of my questions Earlier, we talked about you know certain strategies for trying to deal with depression, but I find it does go hand, at least in my situation, where it might go hand in hand with lethargy. People feel lethargy is something different, just slow, you know, low energy, low motivation. We all go through the doldrums, but I find that it's how to fight the spirally. It it could like spiral in the depression because there's a feeling of helplessness. Like, hey, I'm gonna. I'm in a rut. What do I do? And then what can I do? You know, I have no, maybe I don't have the skills. I don't have the, you know, not what they want in the outside. You know what I'm saying? You, you want to make changes or you, you don't really know how, or where to begin. So I find that the lethargy, you know, it, it, I, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, it's sort of a chicken or the egg question. You're, you're depressed because you're lethargic or you're lethargic because the depression just, you know, at least, you know, like, you know, on top of that, I may get, you know, uh, distractions. We all, you know, we have our day-to-day -day curveballs, you know, you know, yeah, the things I, go wrong. You I know, think so. that you're bringing up some great points, Mrs. Cantor, and it's very brave of you to address yeah. this uh, in this forum. And I, one of the main things that I can answer for you uh, without knowing uh, anything about your particular case is that a lack of energy is one of the core symptoms for many people uh, in depression. Uh, difficulties staying focused and organized can be a core symptom for yeah. some people. 
And uh, in the same sense, that worsens the depression because it makes it difficult to follow up uh, with one's treatment plan. Mm -hmm. And it makes it quite uh, challenging to Mm -hmm. do a lot of the healthy things that can help to treat depression Mm -hmm. uh, that don't require a physician. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things that I'm very excited and passionate about, uh, both in my own life and for my patients, uh, is the importance of regular cardiovascular exercise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cardiovascular exercise, uh, for many people, is a dirty word, uh, or two dirty words together, or uh, uh, three dirty words together, Mm -hmm. if we count cardiovascular as two words. Uh, But when a person exercises uh, every day, paradoxically, it actually gives them more energy. Uh, When a person exercises throughout the day, uh, it puts stress on the body in the moment, but it decreases stress uh, throughout the day. And uh, I think for folks who are above the age of about 20, Uh, It's a good thing to discuss with their physician how much cardiovascular exercise their body can handle. But uh, ideally, people who are doing uh, 30 to 45 minutes uh, of cardio a day, uh, it's a fantastic treatment of depression. And it really helps the body to feel better. It improves sleep. It improves energy. It improves focus. I can't tell you how many uh, young yeshiva bachrim who uh, don't want to take uh, stimulant medications for their focus issues have been tremendously successful by just uh, waking up earlier, exercising before shear starts, and then being able to fall asleep earlier at night. And the combination of getting enough sleep and getting enough cardio in the morning has allowed them to be much more effective human beings. So clarity, in other words, it's just a way of for sure. So there are studies that suggest Mm -hmm. that in certain cases of mild to moderate depression, that Mm -hmm. cardiovascular exercise on a daily basis Mm -hmm. is as effective Mm -hmm. as uh, treatment with an SSRI antidepressant. Um, and frankly, there's really no side effects of cardiovascular exercise beyond smelling like a schwitzy, uh, bocher, uh, and that can be fixed in and of itself with a shower, Thank you. which is something I try to do at least once a week. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Let's go to the next live question. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, Brooksham. Thanks for doing this. No problem. Um, I'm going to kind of change the topic a little bit. I mean, it's still, um, you know, couched around, you know, burnout and good mental health in the area of Shaduchim. And um, specifically Shaduchim in the 40s. So basically... Um, you know, people who have already gone through a lot, divorced or widowed. Um, is there any kind of a, like pointers or uh, advisement you could give on Shadokim in the 40s? And plus, um, you know, going forward, keeping a positive and healthy mindset and outlook. That's a great question. 
in terms of how can I avoid burnout? Um, so I, I think that uh, to answer that question again, generally, uh, the healthier that one is, and the more that one takes breaks and is able to focus on their core beliefs, as opposed to getting distracted with various mishigas, the more effective one can be when they're starting to feel burned out. Um, keeping a journal is a really good way of tracking one's mood and tracking one's goals, tracking uh, what's working and what's not. Um, Shaduchim in the 40s. I once heard that uh, Belzer Rav told uh, a friend of mine that uh, Belzer Rav Shlita had had every uh, Nisayon in the world except for being an Alterbacher, uh, which seems to suggest that being an Alterbacher is quite a difficult uh, thing to go through. So uh, I, I would recognize that this is a challenge. Uh, but that it's a challenge that uh, I'm sure you can be successful with. And I would keep in mind that, uh, you know, for every uh, man uh, or woman who's experiencing this, there's certainly somebody else who's also experiencing the same thing. I do encourage people in general, irrespective of their age, irrespective of the issues they're going through, to be more open-minded when it comes to Shaduchim. I think that a lot of people have a very specific thing they're looking for, and as a result of that, uh, they leave other things out. Um, uh, I'm a big fan, again, of encouraging people uh, not to be judgmental in Shaduchim in the same way that they would hope somebody else wouldn't judge them for whatever they might view as a chesron uh, and would try, rather try to look at the whole picture. I encourage folks uh, to uh, really be a lot more open-minded. Um, you know, practically in my field, I'll just throw out a thought. I think that a lot of my patients are nervous uh, about Shaduchim if they're taking a medicine or if they have a diagnosis. And what I always tell them is, you know, if you work through this, you'll be a person who uh, is stronger and knows a lot more about themselves. I actually have uh, uh, many patients who have been through the therapeutic process and are infinitely uh, healthier people than somebody who hasn't been, than their roommate who never went to therapy, never took a medication. So I, I really will tell uh, the families of young men and women who call me, uh, obviously with my patient's permission to say, you know, I hear you're treating Yussi, you know, for anxiety. Uh, does that mean he's crazy? Can he be a good husband? And, and what I'll say to them is, you know, Yassi is great. He knows exactly what he needs to work on. He knows exactly uh, where he's come from, and he knows exactly where he's going. Um, compare him to Ruvain or Shimon, you know, who's never done this work. Uh, I can't give any ADIS on them. I can give you plenty of ADIS, though, on Yassi. You know, he we know exactly what's going on with him. We have no idea what's going on with anybody else. Is, is, so, that, a first step, is that the first step you would tell somebody in Shaduchim they should call his therapist? 
Okay. I, I don't know if it's the first step, but uh, anytime somebody is in uh, therapy or is seeing a doctor and uh, one is in Shaduchim in the standard Shaduch process uh, in our community, I think it's a very reasonable thing to have a conversation. I would say at least uh, once every other week, uh, a former patient of mine uh, says, you know, Baruch Hashem, I'm dating, things are going well. Uh, and uh, I want you to speak with uh, Mr. Green and Mrs. Green. And I'll say, great, you know, they can book an appointment, come on in. I, I always tell my patients that I have to have seen them within a few months prior, because it could be that I haven't seen somebody in a, in a year and I don't know what they're up to. I don't know where their symptoms are at. But if I hear that my patients are doing good and they're stable and, uh, uh, I feel as though they're in a comfortable, uh, solid place, then I'm happy uh, to share my thoughts uh, with uh, the young woman's family or the young man's family. I, I think it's very important. Um, and this is something that really uh, good professionals in our community uh, should have learned as part of their uh Shimush in our community, not as part just of their licensing, which allows them to uh, describe diagnosis and treatment and prognosis, but really as part of uh, when you work in the Frumvelt, you have a better understanding of the Frumvelt. And this is called cultural competency. So whereas uh, being a good professional and having good academic skills in the treatment of mental health is very important so is having a cultural competency, uh, meaning understanding what's happening in our community. I'm actually speaking right now with uh, uh, the Swedish community in uh, Antwerp about doing a trip out there to train the Goyesha psychiatrists uh, in their uh, city about uh, what mental health looks like in our community and what are the expectations uh, in our community for uh, what a psychiatrist can and cannot do, for what a therapist can and cannot do. Uh, so that way they can uh, provide a service which is culturally competent, meaning understands uh, what our community is going through. And uh, frankly, the academic uh, hospitals in that city are thrilled with the idea of having somebody come and teach them. So this is a really important thing that we have to keep in mind that when one is uh, looking for, just a tangential thought, uh, but, a, but a big clout, uh, when one is looking for a therapist, when one is looking for a doctor, uh, they really have to find somebody who's not only a mumcha, but is also a mumcha taka in the community. And we know that uh, there's the Ganser community, and then there's also specific communities. And that's a, a big role where family members, rebbies, askanim, can really add a lot by explaining uh, the specific context. I'll never forget when I had a, a woman come to my office uh, telling me her husband had OCD because of the length of her shadle. And I didn't know uh, if her shadle was too big or too small for their community uh, because I wasn't 100% sure which Hasidus uh, she was from. So I had to actually call a dian in the community and say, exactly how long is a shadle supposed to be when it's too big or too long? Because apparently some guy is... Uh, either bothering his wife or has a legitimate concern. 
Anyways. Okay, Freeman, we have so many live questions. Are you ready? Do it. Do it. Here we go. Unmute. Hi. Hi. Okay, so I have a sister who is suicidal and she's been in and out of the psych ward and I have this feeling in me where like I have to be her savior, but in reality, I don't really need to be because she's in therapy and psychiatry. But at the same time, I guess, because I'm her sister, so it's like natural. Um, I like make myself crazy to be her savior. Meanwhile, like I really don't have to. So I want to know like if there's any advice you can give me on how to like make myself like away from the situation, but also care about her. Refor Shalema to your sister. Uh, first off, um, okay. I I am a big fan of the Hasidus of Alcoholics Anonymous and 12-step programming. And uh, it's not a cult. Rabbi Tversky's itself uh, taught us about that and wrote uh, Teshuva Through Recovery, amongst many other fantastic books, uh, where he really expounds on the beautiful Hasidus of uh, the 12-step program. And one of the things that uh, family members can do when they have a, a spouse, a sibling, a parent, a child who's struggling with addiction is to go to Al-Anon meetings and uh, to really learn about not being an enabler and to really learn uh, about uh, what they can do to be a more effective uh, family member to ensure that their loved one gets the help they need. So one of the main things that's taught to family members who have uh, loved ones struggling with substance use and addiction is uh, you didn't cause this, you can't cure it, and unfortunately you can't even control it. The only thing you can do is to control yourself to make sure that you don't make it worse. Now, this is something that can be learned uh, through family therapy. I know that there's a lot of uh, great family therapists out there that work with complex cases of this nature, but I think that there's also good support uh, resources in our community. I know that Amudim uh, and Relief and Chazkenu offer support for uh, women in our community that have family members who are struggling uh, OHEL, other good organizations, uh, offer these supports. In Israel, there's Enosh, Mila, Ezer Metzion that has support groups uh, for loved ones, uh, for folks who have loved ones that are struggling with chronic mental illness. Uh, in Eretz Yisrael, there's an organization called, uh, I believe, the National Association of, uh, of Borderline Personality Disorder. And this provides a lot of training and support uh, for people that are struggling with uh, loved ones who are chronically suicidal. And uh, here in Eretz role, there's a great clinic called Machon de Vir, uh, M-A-C-H-O-N-D-V-I-R.org, uh, that's run by a colleague of mine named uh, Dr. Shmuel Harris. And he's kind of the dean of uh, addressing these issues uh, with families. Right. So I'm not. So here's the thing, like, I'm not like I'm not worried about her because at the same time, like she is in therapy and and she goes to a psychiatrist and like everyone. Yeah. Baruch Hashem, but she's and she's like looking at like she's looked after. But 
for me as a sister, like, it's just so hard, like, to constantly not think about her and make myself crazy about it. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. Uh, it might be that uh, there is a role for you attending support groups to hear what's working for other people or to think about seeking out an experienced family therapist to guide you through this process. Because, again, sometimes uh, the stress of having a loved one who's struggling can bring out uh, the worst in us. Hang in there. Thank you. Okay, let's go to the next live question. You're on. Unmute, please. Hi. Hi. Hi, Dr. Friedman. Um, I had a question. Uh, unfortunately, we lost a close family member after multi-year struggle with uh, mental illness, uh, RTC, right. psychiatric hospitalizations. And the one thing, the one common thing we felt or I felt, uh, but most of the family felt was that you know, the stigma around therapy has been removed a lot in our community, or at least is getting better. But the stigma around mental illness, and I'm not talking about psychosis, I'm talking about, you know, people who seem regular, but have, you know, major depressive disorder, eating disorders, general anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, all those type of things, um, emotional dysregulation involving in, you know, self-harm and, uh, we, it's like we had to, we always felt on the defensive that we have to answer, you know, if someone is sick with cancer, there's never questions of, is she really, is she this, you know, and how can we as a community get better specifically removing the stigma about mental illness, true mental illness, again, not just, you know, schizophrenia, it's like people have the belief of the firm community that if you have schizophrenia, psychosis, okay, he's crazy, quote unquote. But mental illness of major depressive, you know, just like you could die from cancer, you could die from depression or from suicide, which is mental, some are suicidal. So I just wanted your take on that, really uh, feeding off your first point about going to a psychiatrist. So people, we, we did go, did go the regular route, but, you know, someone who's really sick could still die from that. Absolutely. I, I, I'm sorry for your loss is the first thing to say, and I'm sorry for Clay Israel's loss. Um, it's terrible when this stuff happens. Um, I'd like to say a big yasher uh, koach to Coach Menachem uh, and to Rav Usher for providing a platform for our community to discuss many of these issues, along with so many other uh, great organizations and great people out there that are really talking about this stuff. I think that uh, when our leadership raises this issue, it's a good thing. Uh, the Aguda has a mental health conference uh, around Thanksgiving every year. That's a very positive thing. That's a newer thing. Uh, you know, when uh, Mishpacha Magazine let me write a weekly column about uh, mental health and the treatment of people in our community, uh, this allowed people to start talking. And then when I got too busy, it was replaced by ads to go to Dubai. Uh, well, well that's everything. Let's be honest, they're both therapeutic. Uh, if you're in the Israeli Arab mafia, Dubai is a great place to go. Um, I think that when brave people in our community share their experience, and are willing to break the fourth wall and to really talk about their personal struggles, that is a tremendously powerful thing. 
there's a fellow in Beit Shemesh who wrote a book uh, about his struggles with depression and even suicidal thoughts, and it was published by Mosaico. Uh, Rabbi Haber put it out. Um, I believe his name is Yoni Palmer. And it's a tremendously brave thing that he did talking about his personal experience. And I think it gives uh, voice and perspective to people who are struggling in our community. Uh, I remember when Rabbi Wallerstein Zitzel talked about having suffered abuse and been the victim of uh, abuse. And talking about that is a very brave thing. And that gave a lot of koach to people who had had a similar experience. Um, I have a friend who is a Rosh Hashiva, a very beloved person to me, uh, that has openly spoken with Bahrim at his yeshiva about uh, his experience as an addict. Baruch uh, Hashem, he's been sober for uh, close to 20 years. Uh, but he had serious substance abuse problems at one point in his life. And uh, the courage to say that as a Rosh Yeshiva, the courage to express this has really made his program uh, one of the most rapidly growing uh, yeshivas in Yerushalayim. So when people talk about their personal struggles and share this, I think it really, oh man, it's brave. You got to be courageous to do that. <laughs> Uh, given the stigma and shaduchim and this and that and everything else. But it's it's a wonderful thing uh, when people are able to do that, and it's very inspirational. So uh, my hope is that uh, more brave people will be open to talking about their challenges. I think we have time for uh, a few more minutes before I, I got to run to Shoal. Forgive me. And uh, Ravasher, I want to know what moisturizer do you use? Uh, because in case I decide to shave and want that that baby face once again, I, I want to be ahead of the game and know what to order on Amazon after the blockade uh, allows products to arrive here. Well, I'll tell my wife to be in contact with you. And she'll let you know. Uh, it's, yeah. Okay, let's go to the next live question. We have to have Ryan. Let's go, you're on. Hi, first of all, thank you very much for all your articles, Mishpach. I always really enjoyed reading them. Uh, I wanted to ask, I work at a job, you know, nine to six, my remote pretty much, and, and work myself. How do I avoid burning out? How do I, you know... Keep myself in a healthy place before 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 we have to work on fixing the problem. Great. So uh, that's a wonderful question. I know uh, that you are most likely not Bracha Weiss. However, Rabbi Taub uh, will be speaking on what is a woman next week. So uh, if you are Bracha Weiss, we'll have a lot more clarity uh, within a week. If he is Bracha Weiss, you should definitely come back next week. Um. The most important thing is insights, uh, as always. You know, we, we can't have a solution unless we have a problem. We don't have a problem unless we're uh, sitting down and trying to figure things out. So uh, most of the time when a person is asking themselves, do they have a problem? It's great to ask other people around. Go for the collateral information. Ask your coworkers. Ask your chabrusa. Ask your spouse. Ask other people in your life, do you think that I'm burned out right now? Uh, try and get some objective information. 
As far as uh, the treatment of burnout, uh, it's important to change the environment. Sometimes that can be done in uh, a big way by switching a job. Other times it can be done in a small way. So if you're working remotely and you're sitting in your basement doing that work, try to go uh, to an office and take a shared office space at a WeWork type place where maybe you could be surrounded by some colleagues throughout the day. Try and work uh, one day a week in the basement, one day a week uh, uh, at your accountant's office. Try and work one day a week at the bagel store in order to mix things up. Um, having some social support, connection with colleagues, especially if it's remote, try and get together uh, even uh, in a social setting. Go to play mini golf. Um, relaxation strategies, mindfulness. Uh, let me put in another plug that you got to get Dr. Benji Epstein on here to talk about mindfulness. He is so good at what he does and he's a very dynamic speaker but uh meditation relaxation strategies even for a few minutes a day are really helpful for decreasing stress uh finding perspective um exercise we know that cardio is really important we know that sleep is really important most people don't get the sleep that they need uh, you really got to get closer to seven to eight hours for most people. Some people even need eight and a half or nine hours. That's just the way their body is built. Uh, it is absolutely critical to take care of your body. And then also to understand there might be some things at work that you uh, enjoy doing and some things that you don't. And if there's a way for you to do more of the stuff that you enjoy and less of the stuff that you don't, whether by outsourcing or trying to come to a solution with your employer, uh, there's nothing wrong with trying to be as effective as possible in that manner. I'm going to run to Shul now. I, I'm tremendously grateful for having been here with everybody. Um, what can I say? Claudia Israel. We're well, going to jump straight to the closing. First of all, thank you for coming and giving your time. We love when you come on. And I know it's hard with the with the time. Hopefully one time you'll be in America and we can do it the full. Hopefully soon you'll be here. I'm out of the closet as it's Sioni. What is it Sioni? In your shalom. <laughs> and leave us just leave us with a with a good closing part. Make sure we'll see everybody next week with Rabbi Shay's Tav. It's gonna be an amazing share. We're talking about what what a woman's role in today in Klai's role and their stressors and what they deal with. And it's something that we did it on the men's version and it was super powerful. Hopefully next week will be amazing. Please join us. And Dr. Freeman, leave us with some closing words so I can take back with them to give them chizik and then go pray shaharit. Hashem loves all of us so much. You don't have to be uh, accused of being a Chabadnik or a breast lover to know that. Uh, we know that all of the challenges that we get are just to make us stronger. I was learning of the Nesivo Shalom uh, on Shabbos, uh, doing that this year, Blinetter. And uh, he brings that uh, Rav Arla Karliner, Rav Arna Gadol of Karlin, uh, said that it was easy helping people to do tshuva because he felt like a realtor, like a mitavech. 
these people want to sell, those people want to buy. It's an easy, easy shidduch, putting people together with the Kadosh Baruch Hu. So we have these tests, we have these challenges, but Hashem wants us and we want Hashem. And sometimes uh, we involve other people uh, in our stories and we should be uh, grateful to have the experience and the opportunity to meet professionals uh, who can help us uh, as well as uh good, loving, smart people that are willing to listen to us. Like the survey said, uh, those people are are wonderful, whether they're Rebbe's, spouses, uh, uncles and aunts, uh, parents and grandparents, or neighbors and mentors. Um, we should all be Zoche to help each other in Yerts Hashem, whether as professionals or just good neighbors. So Hashem, uh, we'll get to talk again at some point soon, and uh, I'm grateful. And uh, Usher, if you could, again, have your wife be in touch with mine re regarding the moisturizing lotion uh, of choice. Well, uh, all the programs I've, I've seen you on and all the articles you've written, by far, you were the funniest tonight, by far. I just need to get rid of these forehead wrinkles. Sai gazun. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. See you next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Thank you, Dr. Freeman.